Amen. Amen. Second Timothy chapter one, as we continue our new series in the book of Second Timothy. Last week we got started on this great letter. Today we're going to start in chapter one, verse eight. And just a reminder from last week of why this is such a significant letter in the New Testament. First of all, Second Timothy provides an example for Christians of one who finished well. Paul said, I competed well, I finished the course, I kept the faith. And so he is letting us know, hey, I'm getting ready to cross the finish line. He knows his time on earth is very short. And yet he's leaving this letter behind to basically share with us, this is how you can finish well. Secondly, 2 Timothy furnishes us a powerful, powerful perspective on the Christian life and ministry. From one who finished well... And from one who gave the rest of his life after he became a Christian fully to the Lord, he gets to the end of his life and he has no regrets. He doesn't say at the end of his life, even though he's in prison for the cause of Christ, getting ready to die for the sake of the gospel, that somehow, I wish I would have lived my life differently. I wish I wouldn't have been as committed to Christ as I was. I wish I would have been less devoted to the cause. He doesn't say that at all. In fact, he says, I'm thankful that I lived my life the way that I did. Second Timothy also reveals the blessings that result when we launch out with God. We saw last week that Paul had a great relationship with Timothy. He was a dear friend. And he would have never known Timothy had he never went on those missionary journeys. God allowed Paul to lead Timothy to the Lord on his first missionary journey to the city of Lystra. And it just reminds us of the relationships and the blessings that could come our way if we're willing to launch out with God. We're going to talk more about that this morning. And then 2 Timothy also supplies us a model of encouragement and a pattern for mentoring. If you and I want to learn as Christians how to better encourage other people, then get familiar with 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy shares with us how to encourage others. And 2 Timothy is a model of mentoring. If we want to mentor others and learn how to mentor others in the Christian life, then 2 Timothy is a great book to to familiarize ourselves with. In fact, as I shared last week, how many of you as a Christian, if you had the opportunity to be mentored by the Apostle Paul himself, if you could sit in a classroom with Paul, and Paul could pour into your life, how many of you would seize that opportunity? That's exactly what can happen as you and I sit under the message of 2 Timothy. Because it is probably the most profound piece of of mentoring in all the Word of God. Uh, And you and I can truly be personally mentored by the Apostle Paul. Now, In this section we're going to look at this morning, chapter 1, verses 8 through 18, there is a main sort of exhortation. There's one thing, unlike last week, there's, there's one thing above everything else now that Paul wants to build on from the things that he shared last week with Timothy. Primarily building on the foundation that God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power, of love and of self-control. And so he builds on that by seeing a recurring phrase throughout this passage. 
He first mentions it in verse 8 when he says, So, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord or of me. You'll notice in verse 12, he says, Because of this, in fact, I suffer as I do, but I am not ashamed. And then over in verse 16, he mentions a friend of his named Onesphorus who was refreshing him while he was in prison awaiting to die. And he says of him, he is not ashamed of my chain. The main thing that Paul is saying here, building on what he said last week, is this. The word ashamed means not to be hesitant or hold ourselves back out of fear of doing something. So in this context, Paul's basically saying this. He's encouraging Timothy, and he's encouraging all Christians down through history to put themselves out there for Christ. To not be hesitant or hold back out of fear, but to be willing to put ourselves out there for Christ and for the cause of Christ. Now, What Paul says to Timothy in verse 8 does not mean that Timothy has somewhere along the line become ashamed. He hasn't. But what Paul is doing is trying to say, Timothy, you haven't been afraid to put yourself out there up to this point. But because I know that you're getting discouraged, because I know that you're facing opposition, because I know that, that you're, you know, thinking about quitting, I want to tell you, Continue to be willing to put yourself out there no matter what the cost. Folks, this is so important today. The reason why many Christians don't ever experience all that God has for them in this life is because at different times and seasons of our life, we are afraid to put ourselves out there. Because maybe... In time past, as a Christian, we put ourselves out there, and we were hammered. We suffered. We experienced pain. We experienced criticism. And so sort of like the turtle, we go, oh, don't like that result, so I'm pulling myself back into the shell. And I'm going to live the rest of my Christian life protected by this shell. The problem is, Paul's going to say to Timothy, that's not how God ever intended for us to live. There's no way that you and I can experience what God has for us, and there's no way that God can fully use us to impact other people for Christ if we're not willing to put ourselves out there. If we are holding ourselves back from doing what God is asking us leading us, calling us to do, simply out of fear of someone or something, then Paul would say the same thing to us that he's saying to Timothy some 2,000 years ago. Don't be ashamed. I'm not ashamed. Onesphorus is not ashamed. Don't be ashamed. Now, Paul's very clear. One of the reasons why we know the Bible's the word of God is because unlike men who would try to put some kind of spin on it to make it more palatable, God never does that. He's always very real and upfront to us right away in the Word of God. 
And even in this passage, Paul is not going to mince any words. He's going to remind Timothy, just as Timothy already knows by experience, that Timothy, you know as a Christian, that if you put yourself out there for Christ, you are going to suffer. In other words, Paul's trying to arm Christians with the mindset of, you and I cannot fully be used by God the way he desires, the way he designed it. If we don't adopt the mindset that we will have to go through suffering in order to really experience God on earth and to be used by God in the way all Christians should desire to be. Suffering is just going to be part of it. Experiencing pain and all of that is just going to be a part of it. That's why Paul says in verses 12 and 8, Notice, first of all, in verse 12, he says, because of this, in fact, I suffer as I do, but I'm not ashamed. Paul's whole life in ministry, after he accepted Christ, or I should say acknowledged Christ on the road to Damascus, there was a lot of pain and suffering. But Paul says, I'm not, in all the times that I've put myself out there for Christ and been hammered, and experience pain and rejection and suffering and all the corresponding things that go like he says i'm still not holding myself back i'm not i'm not putting myself back in the shell because it's safer back there and that's why then in verse 8 when he tells timothy so do not be ashamed of the testimony about our lord or of me a prisoner for his sake, but by God's power, notice these last words, accept your share of suffering for the gospel. Paul's saying to Timothy, Timothy, there's a share, there's a part that every Christian should be willing to take up for the gospel's cause, for the Lord's cause. The problem is, he says to Timothy and to all of us, most Christians aren't willing to do their part, to take up their share, to accept their share of suffering. Because when they become a Christian and get into the Christian life and start to serve and minister and experience suffering and pain and rejection and criticism and discouragement, they just go, oh, I'm going back to the safe place. And so there are going to be Christians in every generation who are willing to put themselves out there and be on the front lines. But can I share with you, it's getting fewer and fewer and fewer as we get closer to the return of Christ. Do you realize that the local churches that exist even in America don't even have enough people anymore in ministry to just staff Because less and less young people, especially, are either hearing the call of God to ministry or accepting the call or that ministry is even something that's in any way, shape, or form attractive to younger people today. And I hate to say this to remind all of us of a biblical principle. The local church or the church as we know it is only one generation always away from extinction. 1,500 pastors leave the ministry every month. I was sharing with our staff this past week that the average stay of a youth pastor, a worship director, and a children's director at a local church is less than two years. 
And most of those, because of what they experienced in ministry, not only quit, but never go back again. Folks, we don't have enough people even in ministry. And I realize, I hope you understand, I realize all Christians were all in ministry, but I think you understand where I'm coming from. That less and less people are going to the mission field. Less and less people are ministering. Less and less Christians, even in local churches, are getting involved in any kind of service or ministry. Why? For the same reason Paul told Timothy, Timothy, there's going to be a share of suffering for the gospel. You put yourself out there for Christ. You try to serve. You try to minister. You try to impact lives. It's not easy. You're going to face all this stuff. But don't be ashamed. Don't give in to the temptation of self-preservation and put yourself back in that shell. Let God build up his strength within you and continue to go out there and put yourself out there for Christ, no matter what you face. Because Paul also tells Timothy that if you and I as Christians are willing to do that, God will be right there with all of his support and resources to basically hold us up and lift us up and encourage us in spite of what we go through, just like he did the Apostle Paul. That's why in verse 8, Paul reminds Timothy when he says, So do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord or of me, a prisoner for his sake, but by God's power, by God's power, accept your share of suffering for the gospel. See, Paul is saying, when you and I as Christians are willing by faith to put ourselves out there for Christ, Christ will be faithful to us. He will show up. He will empower us. He will enable us. Biblical illustration. Man can't walk on water. But when Peter was willing to follow the call of Jesus and step out of the boat, Peter could do what he never could have done on his own because Jesus Christ was empowering him because he was willing to put himself out there. It was only when he began to get his eyes off Christ that he began to sink. And then Paul even says in verse 14 to Timothy, protect that good thing entrusted to you through the Holy Spirit who lives within us. Not only by God's power, but being reminded that the Holy Spirit of God, the third person of the Trinity, lives within every Christian. And therefore, we have God himself who lives within us. Therefore, any suffering, anything that you and I go through for the cause of Christ, the Holy Spirit will personally minister to us, pour out his grace, empower us, enable us from within to be able to continue to keep on keeping on in spite of what we're going through. To not go back. To not hold ourselves back. To not be hesitant to put ourselves out there out of fear. And then Paul begins in this passage to share why we can't be hesitant. Why we can't hold ourselves back. Why every Christian has to be willing to put themselves out there no matter what they experience. The first thing 
is because the gospel is the only answer to humanity's greatest need. The gospel, the good news, centered in Jesus Christ, God's life-changing message centered in Jesus Christ, is the only hope for this world, the only hope for humanity. Look at verse 10. He says, but God made this gospel visible through the appearing of our Savior, Jesus Christ. And only through Jesus Christ has the power of death been broken. And only through Jesus Christ has true life and immortality come to light through the gospel. Folks, there is no other plan. There is no other message. There is no other hope. The only life and immortality and light, the only way death can be broken is through Jesus Christ and what the Bible reveals about Him and through Him. And if Christians aren't willing to put ourselves out there and live the gospel and share the gospel with others, then how do we expect the world to change? How do we expect man to change? Man can't change himself. Man can't transform himself. That transformation, according to God, can only come through Jesus Christ and the acceptance of his gospel. And every one of us here who's accepted Jesus Christ as our Savior can testify to the life-changing power that comes into a life when we accept the good news of Jesus Christ. And therefore, we should be willing to put ourselves out there, just like other Christians have. Christians who even died for putting themselves out there to share the gospel. How willing are we to share the most important thing that man needs? If you and I had a cure for cancer, as great a need as that is, and we didn't share it, shame on us. And yet, can I tell you, as Christians, we've got a treasure that God has entrusted to us that is more important and greater than any physical cure of anything that people experience. Because what we're talking about doesn't just change the here and now. What we have changes people's eternities. And that's why we need to continue to put ourselves out there. That's why we need people in ministry. That's why we need people in local churches to step up and be involved in ministry. Is it hard? It absolutely is. Are you going to face criticism? Absolutely. Are you going to suffer and experience pain? Yeah. But folks, God doesn't have a plan B. God only has one plan, and that is for you and I to take the gospel to a world that needs to hear. Secondly, If you and I are willing to put ourselves out there, it will encourage other believers to put themselves out there. That's why Paul said to Timothy in verse 8, don't be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord or of me. Because Timothy, other Christians are watching you, and if you, as the pastor of your church, is willing to put yourself out there, they're going to start taking their cue from you. And then over in verse 14, uh, he reminds 
uh, or verse 16, he reminds Timothy about Onesphorus and says, Onesphorus wasn't afraid of my cha- uh, chain and wasn't ashamed of my chain. See, some people were afraid to associate with Paul because they knew if they associated with Paul, oh my goodness, maybe they would get thrown in jail just by being associated with Paul, but not Onesphorus. In fact, keep your finger there in 2 Timothy and go back with me a couple books of the book of Philippians. Another book that Paul penned. And look at chapter 1, verses 12 through 14. Paul basically shares this principle even in the book of Philippians. Notice in Philippians 1, verse 12, he says, I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that my situation... Situation being, he's in prison. Paul spent a lot of time in prison, can I just say? That my situation, notice, has actually turned out to advance the gospel. The whole imperial guard and everyone else knows that I am in prison for the sake of Christ. And here's the key. And most, not all, not all, but most of the brothers and sisters now have more confidence in the Lord because of my imprisonment. And now more than ever, they dare to speak the word fearlessly. You get what Paul's saying there? He's saying, look, God is using my willingness to put myself out there for Christ to encourage other believers to step up and put themselves out there for Christ. Now again, not all, but there's going to be some Christians who are going to be emboldened by your life. They're going to be encouraged by the way you put yourself out there. Not all, but even if it's just one other Christian who's willing to say, you know, so-and-so is willing to put themselves out there for Jesus. I'm going to put myself out there too, no matter what. Isn't it worth it if just one life is changed? And that's exactly why Paul is encouraging Timothy To not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord or of me, his prisoner. Third, back to 2 Timothy. Look at verse 11. Another reason we need to be willing to put ourselves out there is because it is a privilege to represent Christ before men and there is a great corresponding benefit that goes along with it. Look at what Paul says in verse 11. For this gospel... I was appointed a teacher, a preacher, an apostle, and teacher. In other words, Paul says, I do what I do. I serve because of this gospel. And it is a privilege to be able to represent Christ before men. But I want to share with you, sort of hidden here in the original language, a corresponding benefit. When you study this verse... What Paul is also saying is this, because God doesn't want to be misrepresented to people, God will only put on display those who are willing to get close to him, like a close confidant, so that there can be an accurate representation of God. Because let's face it, throughout history, God has been misrepresented. There have been many people, men and women, down through history who say, I represent God, and their representation of God is totally inaccurate, totally unbiblical, totally gives people a negative view of God, because they misrepresent. And the words that Paul uses here in verse 11 is basically saying this. The word appointed means to put on display. 
And so God is saying, listen, God wants to put your life and my life on display. Not to lift us up in pride, but so that his light can be seen by more and more people. But the only way God is going to put us on display is if we're willing to get close to him so that in that closeness, in that intimacy, in that fellowship and communion, we truly begin to know God so that as we go out and shine our light and share him, we represent him accurately. We represent him truly. We represent him biblically. And so Paul says, that's a reason to put yourself out there. Because if you're willing to put yourself out there, God and his presence is going to come into your life in a way like never before. You want to feel close to God, Paul's basically saying? You feel a distance from God? Then you want to start feeling close to God? Start putting yourself out there. And Paul says you will begin to experience God in a way like you cannot in any other way. Because... God wants to put you on display, but he also wants to be represented before men in an accurate way. Another reason, Paul says, of why we need to be willing to put ourselves out there is because the one in whom we entrust everything We are banking on him completely. Paul says he can be absolutely trusted. Listen to what Paul says. Listen to what he says in verse 12. He says, because of this, in fact, I suffer as I do. But I'm not ashamed. And don't miss what Paul says next. Why is he not ashamed? Because I know the one in whom my faith is settled. And I am convinced that he is able to protect what has been entrusted to me until that day. Paul doesn't say, I know what. Paul says, I'm not ashamed because I know who. See, there's so many Christians, they know a lot of facts. They build up a lot of knowledge, if you will, even biblically, about God. But somehow it never connects to a personal, intimate relationship with Jesus Christ. And Paul's saying, the only way I could continue in my Christian life to put myself out there and suffer like I did is because I knew that the one that I was banking on, the one that I was totally invested in and investing everything in my life and eternity in, I knew him. And I knew I could trust him, that I could put everything, everything on him, and he'd come through. See, today, we live in even a financial system where people invest. We have no confidence and should in that system. That system, like it has before, could collapse. I had a friend of mine, both in New York and out here in Arizona, who through the stock market lost more than $20 million each. And we, we spend so much time as human beings going, 
man, I, I wonder if I should invest in that, not just financially. I wonder if this is worth investing in. I, w- I wonder if all my time and energy, how much should I put here and how much should I put there? I mean, these choices that we make every day, every week, every month of our lives, folks, it's what shapes our life in eternity. And yet Jesus is saying, why don't you just invest everything in me, in my kingdom, in my cause? If you invest everything, if you put all your cards on Jesus, guess what? You'll never be disappointed. Paul's saying, don't hold back. Don't hold any cards. Don't go, well, Jesus, I got ten cards to play in my life. I'll lay five on you, but I'm going to play five on some other things or some other people. And what Paul's basically saying is, Here's what I learned in my life. I got to the place in my life where I laid all my cards on Jesus. Because I knew him. And I knew that if I banked everything on him, if I deposited everything on him, if I invested everything I had on him, I would never be disappointed. Not only now, but throughout eternity. Paul's basically saying to Christians, why are you holding any cards investing in anyone or anything else? Is anyone or anything else going to pay you back for your investment like only Jesus can? Jesus said, I know the one. I know him. Do you know him? See, Paul's saying, if, if you and I really knew Jesus, if we really got to know him and became thoroughly acquainted with him, we wouldn't hesitate or hold back at all. Because our commitment and our devotion and and putting ourselves out there would be based on Him. And we know that He can be trusted. The reason why many Christians today are hesitant or holding themselves back from putting themselves out there is even though they may claim, I know Jesus. They know Him from a distance. Because if they really knew Him close, They wouldn't be holding back. There'd be no hesitancy. Do you think when we get to glory and actually see Jesus, it's like, oh, Jesus, man, I, why did I sacrifice for you like I did? I don't think so. I think it's going to be just the opposite. Why did I hold back? Why did I not just give you everything? That's going to be what goes through our mind. And then Paul says another reason we shouldn't hold back is because the ongoing spiritual health of the church demands it. Notice what Paul says in verse 13 to Timothy. He says, hold to the standard. In other words, don't let go of, don't lower the standard of sound words that you heard from me and do so with faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. The word standard is an interesting Greek word. It's literally the word where we get our word prototype from. It serves as a pattern. And the word sound here means bringing spiritual health. So Paul's basically saying, Timothy, you can't hold yourself back. Because if you do, you realize that somewhere along the line, you're going to start compromising God's revelation. 
You're going to start compromising God's truth. You're going to start being in fear of other people and being rejected by other people. And you're going to be more interested, Timothy, in tickling their ears and keeping people around you, liking you to the point where instead of standing up for what's right and what's true, you're going to lower the standard of God. And thereby, the next generation that comes along isn't going to get the standard of God intact like we did when it was passed down to us. And the church will not be spiritually healthy, will not be getting sound words if Christians stop putting themselves out there because we're afraid. Hey, I know, just like you know, in the world in which we live, if you stand up for what's right and you stand up for what's biblical truth, you're going to get nailed. But does that mean you stop doing it? Not according to the Bible. Not just for those who need to hear the truth. But this, Paul's saying the spiritual health of the church demands it. If the church stops teaching the truth, then the church becomes spiritually unhealthy and weak. And the church then cannot be the church that God designed the church to be. That's why he tells Timothy, hold fast to that standard of sound words. Don't ever let it go. Don't ever lower the standard just because it's expedient, politically correct, the easy way. And then finally, Paul says we need to be willing to put ourselves out there because all human beings need refreshing. Listen to this great passage here, beginning in verse 15. He says, you know, Timothy, in other words, it was firsthand knowledge that everyone in the province of Asia deserted me. They didn't desert God. But he's saying there were Christians who deserted me. They turned their back on me. They forsook me. They rejected me. They abandoned me. And then he mentions two of them by name. He calls them out. Including Phagellus and Hermogene. First of all, if you're named that, God bless you. Any of you gals that are having baby, you want to go with Phagellus or Hermogene? But notice what Paul says next. May the Lord grant mercy to the family of Onesphorus because he often again and again refreshed me and was not ashamed of my imprisonment. Do you hear what Paul's saying? The great apostle Paul, the one that many Christians today think was probably the greatest Christian who ever lived, is saying something to us. He's saying, I needed continual refreshment. I needed to be refreshed. I needed someone in my life who was willing to look out for me and be a refreshment to me. I, Paul, needed it. And the only way Onesphorus was willing to do that was because he was willing to put himself out there. 
That's, I think, one of the reasons why Paul says, I hope God grants mercy to the family of Onesiphorus. Because guess what? I think Onesiphorus' family had to make some sacrifices because of the ministry that Onesiphorus had. He was gone probably a lot because he was ministering to Paul. And then notice he goes on in verse 17 to say, when he arrived in Rome, he eagerly sought me out and found me. The words mean he, he went through a great deal of trouble. It wasn't like, like with Jesus' birth, where God sent a star and told Onesiphorus, now you follow this star, it'll lead you right to Paul. No, he had to go into that large city of Rome and he probably had to beat the bushes and go through lots and lots of trouble to finally find Paul. He was selfless. He was sacrificial. And then Paul goes on to say, May the Lord grant to him to find mercy from the Lord on that day. And you know, he says very well, all the ways he served me in Ephesus. I love this word served here. It means to run through the dust in order to supply what is necessary to keep someone or something sustained. Not just serving, but literally willing to run through the dust. Paul says the church needs people like that. We need Onesphoruses. But the only way we're going to be Onesphoruses, we're going to be refreshing others, is if we're willing to put ourselves out there. Because guess what? Sometimes even in our wanting and willingness to refresh others, they don't want our refreshment. And also because being a refresher rather than a discourager, like Vigelis and Hermogenes were, it takes sacrifice. It costs you something. And if you and I are gone, it's all about me. And I've tried to be an encouragement and refreshment, but it just doesn't seem to work. I'm going back into my shell. Then guess what? The church is going to miss out on a very essential ministry. Because if there's a ministry that lacks amongst Christians today, it is the ministry of refreshment. Do you feel refreshed? Do you go, man, I'm, I'm so refreshed by, by and, and here's, here's the thing too. Let me say this. It doesn't take but one person in your life. You don't need to have a team of refreshers. You just need to have someone like Onesphorus. One person who's willing to be a refreshment. Who's willing to bring relief. Who's willing to bring revival to your life in some way. Some kind of encouragement. And if you have an Onesphorus in your life, thank God for them. Just like Paul. Because guess what? They're putting themselves out there. Hopefully, in turn, that will encourage you to put yourself out there to refresh us. So Paul has given us and Timothy a lot of reasons why we should never be ashamed about the testimony of our Lord or of anyone for the cause of Christ. There's too much at stake. And as you and I get ready to go back to these tables and be dismissed and, and get the bread and the cup, let's be powerfully reminded today 
of the words of Jesus himself when he said, do this in remembrance of me. That part of that remembrance on us as Christians is that Jesus modeled for us, he put himself out there. In spite of the rejection, the suffering, the pain, and all of that, Jesus was willing to put himself out there so you and I could have eternal life. He was willing to put himself out there very publicly. In Jerusalem, during Passover, thousands of people. He didn't do it in a corner. He did it in public. In a very public place, Jesus went to that cross and said to the world, I love you. I'm willing to die for you. And all Jesus asks of us is that we be willing to put ourselves out there for his cause and for others, just as he's already done for us. Let's pray. God, we thank you for Paul. We thank you for the encouragement that he gave to Timothy, a young man who, Lord, maybe wasn't ashamed yet, but who was teetering on the brink of beginning to hesitate and hold back in his Christian life out of fear who had experienced a lot of pain and criticism and suffering and rejection and was ready to just pack it in and say, it's not worth it. It's safer back here. And Paul's saying, no, it's not. Paul, at the end of his life, even on the brink of giving his life for the cause of Christ, is telling Timothy and every Christian who ever came after, it's worth it all. It will be worth it all when we see Jesus. God is asking all of us today to name the name of Christ in this place. Are we willing to put ourselves out there for Jesus? Are we willing to accept our share, our part, as a Christian of suffering for the gospel? God, as we partake of this today and we get these elements, as we come back to our seats, may we reflect on the fact that if you weren't willing to put yourself out there, we don't have eternal life. These things we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. In just a moment.